You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Do you know what it's like to be wanted and needed? It's a good feeling, isn't it? To be wanted, to be needed. Misty Creek Community Church is a, is a wonderful church. And so many of you have played a huge role. God has used you in fulfilling God's call in my life and in Doug's life as your pastors. We have a phenomenal leadership team, phenomenal congregation. But there is a certain man in this congregation. His birthday is actually today. And his, his son wanted me to do something silly and maybe sing to him. And I still may do that before the end of the day. But on a serious note, his name is Tom Menifee. And when God was calling us to come back to, to Dunwoody Community, we had left in 2011. And, and um, God called us back here in 2019. And Misty Creek was beginning... To, to form in a home. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Not long after Mother's Day of 2019, I'm sitting at Papacito's restaurant, the one over toward Kennesaw State. I'm having lunch with Tom. And I'll never forget Tom's words. He says, Do you think we could become a church? I said, I do. I believe we already are in your living room. Do you, do you have any interest in being our pastor? Because we really don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and that, that began a stirring in my spirit. And I'll never forget, this is a few weeks later, I'm sitting out on the patio at the Menifee's home, and it's just Tom and I, just the two of us. And Tom was representing the leadership team and the church, and he, he formally offered me the position as pastor, senior pastor at Misty Creek Community Church. That was one of the most holy and sacred moments of my life, to know that this man, who was representing much more than just himself, wanted and needed me. And there was a group of believers who wanted and needed me. I wasn't being appointed, sent somewhere I didn't know, didn't know the people. These people truly wanted us to pack everything up, leave where we were, and move here. And by the way, we had two weeks to do that. <laughs> two weeks to find a house, two weeks to get enrolled in Wesleyan School, which is almost impossible if you know anything about private schools, two weeks for Karen to find a position, and she did as a first grade teacher at Wesleyan School. It all fell into place. And God used Tom Menifee in that process, as he used many of you. He used Carrie and Martha Dodd to let us know about a house that was available in their neighborhood. We couldn't find anything. We're driving everywhere. Have you seen the prices of homes in this area? Man. And we found a home, and we love our home, and we love our neighbors that live on the other side of the fence. And we're thankful. That was not scripted today. You know, like I said outside when we had our prayer time before we entered in, that wasn't scripted. That was all optional. And we just let the Lord flow. But I want to talk to you just a few moments today about stress. 
and, and how to beat the stress test. You ever had a stress test? Anybody ever had one of those? You ever got on that treadmill? You know, I've done that. You ever had the stuff injected into you? My mama had that recently. She said, I don't ever want to do that again. And I can understand that. But you know, you watched that video just now. Do you know how much stress that's not just on our students, especially this last year and a half, almost two years, but on the faculty and the staff and the school board, especially the, the principals and the assistant principals and, and those who make the big decisions whether or not school should be in person, whether or not there should be masks. And there was a lot of mayhem going on, putting these shields around every single desk, having you know temperature checks, keeping you know in line with the CDC. A lot of stress in that, wasn't there? A lot of stress for families, too, especially when they had to keep their kids at home and they've got jobs. Some people with two or three jobs. What are we to do? Can't afford child care when the kids are stuck at home in front of a screen. And some kids just can't learn in front of a screen. I mean, I, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at webinars. I need to be there in person. I need to be in relationship and fellowship with people just like many of you. And our students definitely need that. You may think, you know, they have a crutch in their devices. No. What we learn from this pandemic and all the isolation, they realize they don't need those devices so much. They need each other. They need to be in connection with each other. Our youth that are here, they love being together. They don't even have to do anything. They just like to be together. And they're going to be down at the river today because they think that's cool. That's their youth group today. So that's stressful. And then for you who are transitioning into new schools, a new grade, a new place, you feel like you're alone. Does anybody even notice me? Do I even matter? You may feel that way as an adult. Do I matter? A lot of stress in that. Anybody, have, have you flown recently? Anybody? Yeah, several people have. We just did. Okay, can any of you remember before 9-11 what it was like at the airport? I mean, you literally could get to the airport 30 minutes before your flight. And you'd have time to go through security, which wasn't much. You had time to go over and get you something to eat, sit down, get a drink, go get you some gum, go to the bathroom. Still had time to spare before you got on your plane. Well, nowadays, you got to get there like they suggest three hours, and you still might not make it to your gate if you get there three hours in advance. And in your training at the airport, is part of your training to be rude? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it is to be rude and to be little people because, man... At both airports, here in Atlanta and in Colorado, man, I was made to feel like I was ignorant, like I was a fool. I was like, I ain't done anything. I didn't know. I had to take my laptop out and put it in a bin by itself. I didn't know that. And so I put it in a bin on top of my case, and I got fussed at and screamed at like I was a little boy. I was like, thank you. I didn't respond in a negative way. And this guy next to me, he said, man, oh, man, you've got some patience, man, some grace about you. I said, yeah, I do. I said, it's difficult, though. Put yourself in their shoes. They're working 8, 10, 12, 14-hour shifts having to wear a mask all day long and deal with people. And we know not all people are very smart, especially at the airport. But, you know, there was an airport that was recently built in Berlin in 2019. Listen to this. cost over $7 billion, not million, billion dollars. And so this airport wanted to make sure they were successful, so they did this stress test exercise. So they hired about 100 people to come into the airport that day as if they were going to get on a flight. 
And they intentionally told these people, gave them a script of how they're supposed to act. So they tested the staff in their stress. There were missed flights. There was baggage that was routed to the, to the wrong place. There were irate people. It, it, was, it was not good. It didn't, it didn't go over well. But it was intentional to see how the employees would respond to the stress. And even though this was a, a mock opening of the airport, they weren't actually flying people at that point, several staff members walked out. They just quit. They couldn't take it. They could not take it. The test was about were the signs in the appropriate place? Could people find the bathrooms correctly? Could they get to the gate okay? Were the trains running okay? All of that. It's about quality control. And there's a lot of stress in that. I mean, think about if that was you. Think about it. If you had to deal with people every day, in and out, their attitudes and their, what they want. There was this particular guy at the airport as we were flying out of Atlanta, and they were loading the plane on the back to the front. So the first class people weren't getting loaded until at the end. And this one guy standing over there like this, hey, I'm in first class. I need to get on the plane now. Karen saw this. And the people were looking at him like, gosh, he's kind of selfish, isn't he? But he thought he was entitled because he was first class. Get me on the flight first. Well, out of safety recall, they were loading the back of the plane first and then the first class passengers at the end. He didn't like it. And to the point, one of the Delta workers standing behind the counter, he said, okay, sir, we'll go ahead and let you load in front of everybody else. You're you're welcome to do that. He says, no, I don't want to cause a scene. I'll, I'll just wait my turn, but I don't like it. I wanted to get my phone out and call the whammy limps. Wham! That's the problem. There's so much stress because we all think we're entitled to it. We deserve this. I paid the money. I have this status. I drive this car. I live in this neighborhood. I'm an American. You know, we think we have this, this right and, and, and we, we've earned this respect. In some ways, we do. But in other ways, we need to have some humility and some patience. Because the things that give us stress, like not getting our our food in the drive-thru on time, or our order is, you know, not right. We get all red in the face and upset and lash out. And then we show up in the church, you are the everlasting God. And your wife is saying, you just called that man an SOB at the traffic light down there. You know it's true. Yes, you know it's true. And I'm not lip-syncing. So, what do you think you do in a situation like that in an airport where there's a stress test and you're, you're working? Could you take it? Do you get a headache just thinking about working in the airport? <laughs> in a place where there's a lot of people? This article made me think about how useful a stress test really is. What if you could get a dress rehearsal to prepare you for the challenges and heartbreaks and battles of life? Two weeks ago, I talked about a passage from Ephesians 4 and how the Apostle Paul was trying to get people from every segment of ancient Roman society to envision a new kind of community, a community based on equality and sacrificial love, something that had never been seen before. This is brand new. So Ephesians 4, 5, and part of 6 also challenge believers to envision a new way of relating to one another. Paul challenges Jesus' followers to treat others the way Jesus would. Therefore, as God's chosen people, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, humility, generosity, respect, and kindness. Clothe yourselves with those things. And 
If this new way of life isn't challenging enough, remember that the followers of Jesus endured hostility from all the fellow citizens. They endured hostility from the Roman government. How would they respond to this hostility and being hated? Would the pressure to fit in, to conform to their culture, cause them to lose their cool as well as lose their faith? Is that happening to you? Is there pressure for you to conform to the culture and do this and do that? Even though in your spirit you know it's wrong, you shouldn't do it, you do it anyway. And you compromise who God created you to be in the first place. Paul knew the struggles they were facing. When he became a follower of Christ, he lost his position as a high and mighty Pharisee. He lost his status. He lost his security. We can assume he lost a lot of his friends and his colleagues for the rest of his life. He endured harassment and persecution and beatings and imprisonment in order to share his faith in Christ. And you thought you had it rough in sharing Christ. And in this passage, Paul shares with them and us his secret for facing down any challenge without losing his faith and losing his cool. He begins by writing this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil does come, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand your ground. So according to Paul, the first step in facing down any challenge is to learn to depend on God. You become a frog. Fully rely on God. Y'all pick up that? Fully rely on God. Depend on God. Some of us, now listen to this. Some of us live as if the only power we have to draw on is our own. And it's if we were whipped before the battle has even begun. Do you know who's on your side? Whose side are you leaning on? The Lord's side, right? Remember that hilarious scene in the Old Testament in which David, the young shepherd boy, he's going out to face the giant Goliath. Saul, the king, he places his armor, his own armor upon David, his breastplate, his sword that took two hands to hold, his helmet one version of the scripture says, David tried to go in vain. Saul's armor was just too heavy. The little fellow couldn't move. David took Saul's armor off. He threw the sword down in the shield. And he went off to face Goliath with only his faith in God. God's armor. You come at me with a sword and shield, he says to Goliath. But I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. He will give me victory this day. You know the outcome. The young shepherd boy slew the giant warrior. I wish that every one of us could go out and face the world wearing the armor of God. The difference in our lives would be extraordinary, folks. Young people at school, as well as men and women on the job, battling temptation, overcoming discouragement, standing up to the bullies of this world. I wish every person in this room who's watching today, who's outside under the tent, could leave here walking in the confidence that there is an unseen strength and power that goes with us. 
You have that power. The second step for facing any challenge is to ask God to give you courage and confidence. Confidence and courage make such a difference in life. Verses 14 through 17 in our passage from today reads like this. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You know, effectiveness in life is so often determined by the twin qualities of courage and confidence. But where do courage and confidence come from? From basing your life on the truth of God and the character of God. When you trust in God to lead you in wisdom, truth, and power, each day, obstacles become opportunities to grow in faith. Enemies become opportunities to grow in character. Challenges become opportunities to grow in wisdom. Does faith in God mean you'll never experience fear? No. But it does mean that you will act with wisdom, character, and courage in spite of your fear. Because you know that God goes before you, beside you. And most of the time, if we're honest, he's carrying us through whatever it is we may be facing. There's a secret to dealing with any challenge. Are you ready? Man, aren't you glad you're here and you're listening today? You could be missing this. And this isn't Stephen's word. This is God's word. Okay, the secret to dealing with with any challenge, is to learn to depend on God, to find our strength, our courage, and our confidence in God. It's right there. I have your strength, God. I have your courage, God. I have your confidence. You are with me. The power of your spirit is with me. Nothing can defeat me. Nothing's going to stand in my way. The only time that Satan has any power in this world is when you allow him to have it. You see, he's been, he's been stomped down. He's been defeated. He does not exist unless you allow him to exist, unless you welcome him in and you begin to succumb to evil and compromise who God created you to be. And that's exactly what's happening in the world today. And if Paul can be transformed and be a new creature in Christ, I will tell you this. A terrorist can, a Taliban can, a murderer can. A drunkard can. An abuser can. You and I can. That's not scripted, by the way. Kiri's back there. I don't see that in this stuff. <laughs> Finally, the secret to dealing with any challenge is to prepare yourself daily by opening yourself daily to the power and presence of God every morning. Before you put your feet on the ground. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I open myself to your power, to your presence. Give me your courage and your confidence. I will walk into school today with your confidence because I'm not alone. You are with me. Whether anybody speaks to me or not, I will speak to them. If they make fun of me, I will pray for them. I'll keep my eyes fixed and focused on you because you are the air that I breathe. You are the reason that I exist. I'm not going to let anybody or anyone tear me down anymore because you are the strong tower, and I have the power. I've got the power. He's the power. 
and you've got it. Now, that's all that's going to be in your head the rest of the day. You're not going to hear anything I say or Reagan. You know what's in there. Okay, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of heavy. Okay, it's in there. Three of you don't get that at all, but the rest of you know exactly what I'm talking about. He says this, <clears throat> that's what the armor of God is, verse 18 and 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me. For whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Did you hear that? He's an ambassador in chains. He's in prison. He's probably been beaten. He probably has very little to eat. And yet, he's an ambassador for Christ. He even says that I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ lives within me. He had the joy of the Lord regardless of his circumstances because he had already seen a glimpse of eternity. He had seen the Master and been touched by Jesus. As I really believe you have too. Have you touched him back? Have you touched him back? The word prepare is from the Latin paro meaning to make complete. To point in the right direction to equip for battle. That's exactly what the armor of God and prayer do for the believer. They make us complete. They point us in the right direction. They equip us for battle. But we have to prepare ourselves every day, every day, not just once a week, every day by prayer, by reading our Bible, by spending time in aligning our minds and priorities and habits and attitudes with the mind of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I delivered some soup to Marty Chambliss and a book by Joyce Meyer. It's a book on Psalms. I love this book because Joyce Meyer only has a little teeny bit to say. She lets the Psalms speak, and it's powerful. And Marty sent me a message, and she said, Do you know my head was hurting me so bad that I wasn't able to be in the Word, and I felt like my spirit was lacking? And today, shortly after I got that soup and got that book, that headache lifted, and I was able to get back into the Word. Do you think that's coincidence? I don't. I don't at all. You want to know where that chicken soup came from, don't you? <laughs> Roasters right down the road. I'm not saying that's going to clear your head and you start reading Scripture, you know, and speaking in tongues or whatever, but, you know, you, you don't know. To be prepared for the battle. You're going to face suffering and challenges and spiritual battles in your life. I'm going to tell you, many times the closer you come to the Lord the more the battle is. The forces of darkness will come against you. But the battle belongs to the Lord, and you have the armor of God. So you don't need to worry. Jesus says, don't worry. Stop worrying about all this stuff. What you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep. It's okay to be concerned, okay? But Jesus says, has worrying added a minute, a day, or any time to your life? None. But you're going to still do it. You're going to leave today, and somebody will say, I'm worried about that. You tell your spouse or whoever you're with, you're not supposed to worry. Let's pray about it. It might be a concern, but let's pray and let's release that worry, that stress to the Lord. God is going to equip you for every battle. He's not going to protect you from every battle. Ooh, what? God's going to equip you for every battle, but you have to do your part. The scriptures say where there's a spirit of heaviness, 
put on the garment of praise. You start feeling heavy and stressful, just start singing. Start praising the Lord. Start quoting Scripture if you can. If you don't quote Scripture, go to your phone, look some Scripture up. Start praising Him, lifting Him up. And then that weariness and that heaviness will go away. It's a guarantee, folks. Many of you have heard of Jocko Willink. He's a former Navy SEAL. I've read two of his books. One's called Extreme Ownership. It's one of the best leadership books I've ever read. I think Reagan has a copy of that, too. His training with the Navy SEALs taught him, among other things, mental toughness, the ability to control his thoughts so that he didn't get distracted from his mission. One of his mental practices is to respond to any challenge or obstacle with one word. You ready for this word? Good. For example, Jeep broke down on a rescue mission. Good. Suffered an injury during a covert operation. Good. Didn't get the job you wanted. Good. This one-word response from Willink to look at the situation from a new perspective, to see it as an opportunity instead of a threat, it forces him to see the positive in a negative situation. Willink uses this one-word response to prepare him himself ahead of time for any battle that he faces. And to go further in his Christian faith that God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good, regardless of my circumstances or how I might be feeling that day. And it's easy to give in to how you're feeling, isn't it? It's easy to give in to what you watch or hear on the media, and it just makes you down. Start praising. Start praying. Put on that armor of God, and you'll be not just okay, but you will experience that abundant life that Jesus tells us about in John 10.10. He tells us evil, Satan... He comes to steal and destroy, not with my armor, not with me. He can't because you've got a force field, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit with you. That's the kind of spiritual preparation Paul wants his fellow believers to have, to see any adversity as an opportunity for doing good. Let me give you an example of that. In the early part of the 20th century, Japan officially annexed Korea. Japanese officials announced that on the first day of every month, all Korean citizens would be required to bow down and worship a shrine of the Japanese sun goddess. Anyone who didn't bow down to the goddess could be beaten or arrested on the spot. Later in the 1930s, a young Korean school teacher named Ai Suk was pressured by her school administrator to take part in this forced worship of the Japanese sun goddess. However, Ai Suk was a Christian. Her faith in Jesus made it impossible for her to participate in this act. However, if she didn't participate in this act of pagan worship, she and her colleagues and students could become targets for persecution by the Japanese government. So the day came around, that first day of the month, and everyone in An's school marched toward the Japanese sun god shrine. Ah could hear the students around her whispering, questioning their Christian teacher. Would she betray her faith in exchange for her safety? When the order came down to bow down, Ah Suk stood tall. Inside, she was terrified. At that moment, she thought to herself, I am dead. Fortunately, she survived this challenge to her faith. However, Ah Suk and 34 other believers 
were arrested and thrown into prison. They were beaten, tirelessly beaten, and left in miserable conditions. For six years, Ai survived in this brutal environment, meanwhile sharing her faith with the other prisoners, including the guards. When they were released in 1945, a prison guard who was impressed by their courage shouted as they passed through the exit, These are the ones who for six long years refused to worship Japanese gods. They fought against severe torture, hunger, and cold and have won out without bowing their heads to idol worship of Japan. Today they are champions of the faith. That's what this guard said. A converted guard because of their faith, because of what he witnessed. He saw Aisuk and others not bow down and not give up even while they were being beaten. Where did this young Korean school teacher get that strength and courage and confidence to withstand arrest and torture for her faith? She prepared herself daily by putting on the armor of God. Whatever battle you're fighting against depression, stress, anxiety, anger, fitting in, unbelief, the battle has already been won in the heavenly realms. God stands ready to fight for you today. All you need to do is prepare yourself with the armor of God and stand firm while God works through you. There's nothing you cannot overcome if you rely on the strength, courage, and confidence that comes from your relationship with God. Where there is a spirit of heaviness, let God cover you. Let Him cover you with His love. Let Him speak to you. Let go and let God. Are you ready, folks, to make that commitment? To not be clothed in what you wear every day, but be clothed in the armor of God. I want you just to lift your hands up like you're wanting to receive something. And we are going to receive something today. Would you pray? Let's pray this aloud together. Lord, I receive your armor. I receive your power through your Holy Spirit. Give me your confidence, your security, your strength, your vision, your words. I pray this today in the mighty name of the greatest warrior ever, Jesus Christ. Amen. He just descended down upon you and filled you up with his power and his spirit. In a few hours, we're going to be down at the river. And for many of you, you're going to go under that water, the old you, and you're going to come out the new you, a new creation in Christ. You're going to leave behind that filth and that selfishness and that greed. You're going to leave it behind in that water. And you're going to walk anew with the armor of God. And your life is going to be abundant. It's going to be blessed to overflow.
flowing. He will protect you and provide for you. Not only will he give you his provision, but he's going to give you the most important thing that he can give, and that's his presence. Hallelujah. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.